2: Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that started this decade by beating Celtic and ended it the same way. This week on Heart and Hand, Stephen Gerrard goes ballistic, Celtic are atrocious. <laughs> Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, and I am joined this week by a stellar lineup of pundits people who were at the game yesterday, and those of us, unfortunately, I had to make do on the television. First, it's Ticket Wrangler, extraordinaire, bus runner, and mysteriously always manages to get one for Parkhead. It's Andy (laughs) McGowan.
1: Hello, folks. Pleased to be here.
2: Next up is Sold His Soul to the Devil for a ticket and uh, certainly seemed to have an enjoyable day nonetheless. It's Adam Thornton.
3: It was absolutely fantastic David. hello. Your voice is fucked. <laughs> it is, actually, yeah.
2: <laughs> ah, why not? And uh, like me, he was forced to watch it on television but enjoyed it not one bit less. It's Alex Staff. Hello. Well, gentlemen, it has been a long time. It's been... Well, over nine years, almost ten, since we watched a Rangers team win at Parkhead. And in a way, I think that you could not, Andy, have had a more perfect signifier that this decade, which if someone was to plot on a graph, I think would resemble a U shape, um, I think is now over and we can look forward to normality returning in the 20s.
1: You certainly hope that. Um, there's a lot of parallels. with well, last year, this time, last year, but it feels different this time. I think they feel differently about it. Um, I think the way we played um, on the ninth has just uh, given it an added dimension that this isn't a flash in the pan. This isn't just a fluke win. That This is something that should have happened in the cup final. And you hope that it bodes well, but we, we often remember the, the Joe Borrow horror show at Camarnot in the first game back after break last year. And I I hope that the lessons have been learned for that.
2: I think probably, you know, the the most encouraging thing about this side this season is they, they still make mistakes, of course, but they learn really quickly. And there's been so many things that are different from last season. And I think we saw it again yesterday, even. Adam, the Cup final, I think a lot of us, even us, maybe wrote off as a bit of a freak game because Rangers were so dominant, missed so many chances. It was just an extraordinary game of football. And you would think that the chances of a match like that occurring again are, are few and far between. And I think that maybe even we as Rangers fans felt, well, they can't possibly play as badly as that again. And then you realise maybe now, hang on, this wasn't they played badly. This was they were not allowed to play. And given that Rangers, 21 days later, have gone out in their own ground in front of just 800 of our own fans and performed exactly the same way, that's not a fluke. That's a pattern.
3: It's not. It is a pattern, you're right, and I'm I'm thankful for it because that that cup final, the whole thing around it, the performance and the result, that could quite easily ruin a team and and ruin a season because it's just one of those where you think, God, what exactly do we need to do to to win this or to win a a trophy to get that next step on the the recovery? What do we need to do? So the most pleasing aspect of yesterday for me was that we just came out and went, well, fuck you, we're just going to do the same thing again. And uh, it paid off dividends.
2: Alex, I think that for me, what was so encouraging was, I've seen better or more successful Rangers team, I'll be fair, go to Parkhead and treat the ball like an unwanted Celtic supporting stepchild. And it was also something that you saw in in Europe a lot, where we'd get caught up in mayhem or tension or whatever, and not look after the ball, not do the things that That we do in normal matches and of course old form matches can be frenetic as well this team have shown me in these last two games that they have developed in Europe that they can do this and we saw it, it, that's why we're through our group, we saw it against teams of the quality of Porto and Final, but they did it yesterday as well where they said well we're just going to play our game and it reminded me in in a slightly strange way of the May 1999 game where we won the title there in the Rangers just went and played their game and kept calm and kept focused and didn't get involved in any of their nonsense. And when we let our football do the talking, I think it was quite clear to anyone watching that we are a,
0: quite a special team. I think you've hit the nail on the head David. We've, we've grown. People talk about European football as being a bit of a bonus. In fact, some people would have argued at the start of the season that they almost didn't want to qualify for the group stages because they had to concentrate in the league and it was too many games. This team's still growing, and they're learning so much from that level of of uh, opponent. That yeah, that's what that's what builds into these sort of performances against Celtic. We, we've now got the confidence. We look at their team and they think, well, we've done this against better sides this season, so why can't we go and do it against them? And it's it's definitely uh, definitely paying huge dividends there. The biggest uh, the biggest plus for me yesterday, the cup final was a bit different. I think the cup final was an even more dominant performance than yesterday personally. Um they'd won you know they'd won shot on target and they should never have been allowed in, in the game to stand, in the cup final. Yeah I yeah, shouldn't have been allowed to stand. So you know it was it was more dominant for me in, in the cup final. Uh, the biggest thing from yesterday they did was they got their penalty and then they had a little bit of pressure and then we went up the part and scored. We didn't you've said that you, you got it right. We've seen far more successful, more experienced Rangers teams go there and maybe start a game well. But then once they get into it after 20 minutes, we'd, as you say, we'd be as well, all we're just bags to the wall and hoping for the best. In and, and many games there, and we've had some absolute doings. But, uh, but yeah, this team, they've got a lot of confidence and bravery. The, the, the first goal, um, which I'm sure we'll come on to very soon, sums that up. Um, but to do all of that, as I say, just as it looked as though they were getting a foothold, just as it looked as though they'd, they'd started to play, and then we just went, nope, we're not having it. Um and, and went up the park made it one nil started to look better again just uh, sums up as just say just how special a group we may very well have here we'll be judged on what we win but um it's hard not to get excited about them yeah no, I think we've I had
3: think, I like, think just to get to, excited just to just to expand on that point Alex I think Alex will just David that the cup final was a much more dominant display um but. There was an efficiency yesterday, um, I felt about our play and that we didn't necessarily go for the jugular all the time. Um, we had a wee bit of control which sometimes we we, we struggle with, you know, being final, when we were trying to go and get the win and we try and score the third goal. But we had a wee bit of control in the second half that we thought we're just gonna sit in and see what they've got. Um we only had forty like, odd percent possession, um and we only completed about two hundred passes, which is much, much less than the cup final. But it was a bit more of a mature performance once we got that second goal. I don't know about Andy, but I certainly felt the everything sucked out of the crowd at Parkhead, um, the, the home fans, as soon as we got that second goal. And I genuinely thought, I don't know if it was because Andy wouldn't let me drink before the game, but um, <laughs> I genuinely uh, was quite serene. And I thought, if we can just stem the tide for five minutes or so here, they'll need to change it up. And then the crowd will get frustrated and we just need to wait and see. Um, and to be fair, they didn't really have a huge chance after that. I felt like we managed it very, very well, which is probably one of the few things that really you could be critical of as that season as our game management late on hasn't been great in certain scenarios. But I thought it was spot on yesterday.
2: Yeah, and I think that we have to give a lot of credit to the side, Andy, because as Adam said, all of us the, the day of the Cup final, even Alex, um, were... Like Captain Nemo stranded 20,000 leagues under the sea It was just so hard to take And we'd all looked at December and said "It's make a break for the season um, While you can't win the title in December You can certainly lose it And we looked at our fixtures A lot of away games, a lot of tough matches And then we'd had that shattering defeat And it was, um, there's no point in hiding it It was a shattering because of the manner of it Because we didn't deserve it And the team since then have responded magnificently. They have won every match, scoring 15, only conceding three, and answered every single challenge. And in a way, Andy, I actually think that although it was a very good disguise, we may look back at one point on the cup final defeat as a blessing in disguise because the team have shown to themselves we can overcome setbacks. And that was maybe something last season. If something went against the team, we quite often had a dodgy couple of weeks. Nothing like that this year.
1: I, I agree with you. And I, I, I tweeted yesterday that who would have thought that the Cup final would have a bigger psychological impact than Celtic than us? Because what actually happened is, I think, after the disappointment dissipated, because it was a gutter, <laughs> There's no getting away from it, right? There's just no way you can walk away from that coffee and think, oh, well, that was a shame. It was unlucky or whatever. It was just one of those freak games. But I think they go in their head and I think they kind of knew themselves that they got away with one. And, and I think that's putting them mildly. And I think the manner we played that day and the amount of chances we made and the fact that the goalkeeper played out the game is life and they got bits of luck all over it, I think that was in their mind that they know we had, that we were a match for them. and the mentality thing. I agree with you again, it's a case of last year, they we're just weaker, but the, the point is that we've got a better team, and it helps when you get better players in the team, because then you can genuinely have more belief, there's, all, there's one thing having belief, and, and looking at your teammates and saying "I we can do this, but when you have guys like Kent in the team, and when you've got Morales playing the way he's been playing, and when you've got Goldson and Cathy, it's just been at the top of their game, you can look, at the, look around the dressing room and actually say, there's a reason for the belief, and I think you can see in Gerard as well, in the way he carried his cell in the in the, the um what do say celebrations, but the reaction after the game yesterday. He's instilling that into his team that behind closed doors he's telling them that look, we are a match for this team. Uh if anything we're a better team than we're on our day, and the European results that you've you're mentioning earlier on are something which you cannot buy because last season I said at the start of the season we were kind of forged in the the schedule we're thrown into for the Europa League And again, I think this year it's helped That we're th- thrown into deep end, so to speak But we've been better prepared this year And I think the team is taking fantastic belief for the Porto final results and so forth And the way we've played as well um, So the mentality cannot be questioned at this point Because, as you say, that, that game, the cup final Could have killed us And I worried about that I worried that that would one, be one that just some players would not pick it up from But we've answered that. The the next big question against them is coming out the the winter break, which isn't even a winter break. I don't know why we call it. It's three weeks or something. Coming out of that, how do we react and can we keep the momentum going? Because we should and and the fixtures are in our favour.
2: Adam, we have to talk about it because yesterday, coming out of that match, I was elated, ecstatic, bouncy, in fact. And it All the feelings, pride and and joy and, and, you know, the usual sort of old firm win, but magnified by it's been over nine years and, and what it signified and the way that we went about it. So all of those feelings were there. But there was also another one that was maybe a little odd, and that was anger. And that anger was at the referee performance, which I think, and having watched the game back in full, far more relaxed, has actually hardened, in my opinion, was genuinely scandalous, was absolutely appalling. At best, he is not capable of refereeing at that level, if that's his honest performance. At best, he. if you're looking to excuse it, you cannot, in my opinion, say that that is a referee who has the ability or the temperament to to officiate at that level. At worst, then... If any Rangers fan wants to indulge in a bit of paranoia, I'm afraid I'd need to let them because it was a shocking display, in my opinion.
3: It, it was. Um, and I have to be... I guess I have to be honest. that the, the penalty, I didn't see much wrong. We were only going by kind of text messages that were coming through and the fact that nobody seemed to be claiming for it. So I was a little bit bemused at the penalty. But I haven't seen it again. Yes, by the letter of the law, that's that's a penalty because he's, he's pulling his shirt. However... There's one on arevo uh, just before our second goal. I think it's Brown has him by the shirt as well. So there's two that's been refereed differently. If you need to be consistent. Apply it to everybody or don't apply it to anyone. Um, and there's just blatant mistakes which cause issues. Again, the handball, um, I guess you could say fair enough, but it's literally his job to spot that. He's in the correct position to spot it and he's missed it. So um, that goes against him as well. And then the ridiculous uh, double standards in terms of Celtic players getting nibbles off the ball at Morelos and um, various other things and then Kamara being booked for his, his first challenge uh, Barisic as well being booked for his first challenge, Morelos being booked for I think just being Morelos really, that was a, a foul, I don't think that's necessarily a, necessarily a yellow card on, on Scott Brown so it just looks like he can't wait, he looks like he's not in control of the game, he looks like he can't keep up with the game at points and he looks like he needs to be seen to to do something, he's like a Hollywood referee, he just wants to to do something and get get something done so that he's, he's had some sort of action without really understanding what he's supposed to be doing. I think it was an all-round shocker again, we've had a fair share of them in the last month or so.
2: Alex, you and I tend to try and be fair on referees, because I don't think either of us want to ever believe that there's more to it than just they're bad. Yeah. Because, you know, that way madness lies. But as, as Adam alluded to there, it was the manner of the decision-making. Now, for the penalty, it, it's a penalty I've got no problems with. that. I was upset at the time, obviously, but when you see exactly the same, and he is looking at it, and his linesman is looking directly at it, where you can quite clearly see um, Joe Ebo's shirt come off his shoulder, for crying out loud, yeah. not given. And then there are several incidents where it's very difficult to do other than see this is a two tier system. And the first one I would point out would be um Christie, uh who was probably trying to do something in the game other than his missed penalty, um, picks up a booking and then proceeds to have four fouls, including one where he grabs the nuts of Alfredo Morelos, doesn't get a second yellow. Ballingoli, um the Celtic fullback on a yellow hauls back uh, the on Russian Alfredo Morelos in a break, which is a standard booking in any league. Incidentally, you yes. see it all the time. It is a and nobody complains because we all know you make no attempt if you're done and you make no attempt to get the ball. Glenn Camara was booked for the same incident, and if you watch, it's quite apparent that Clancy is running over with his hand at his pocket, sees who it is, and changes his mind. And then, of course, the Morelos one. I'm not usually one who says, "Oh, he couldn't wait," but. He actually has the yellow card out before Morelos has hit the deck fully. It was incredible the speed he went at with that. Very hard not to think that's kind of predisposed.
0: I I posted yesterday and I I, I do believe, I I slightly disagree with Adam, Morelos' first booking I didn't have too much issue with. Um, you know he's, he's went in to just leave a little one on Scott Brown and it's the nature of the game, I get that I do agree that other incidents weren't booked so in the context of the game, there's a fair argument to say that first booking was, was harsh but uh, I didn't have too much issues at the time with it, I thought, you know, that's uh, just a yellow card and I don't have any issues with his yellow card for the dive either but I, I posted yesterday, I, I grew up uh, uh, with a gentleman by the name of Billy Reid who is Scotland's top Close-up magician—that's a fact. He—he's uh, been voted so um, by his peers, and uh, he would have been proud of the hand speed that Clancy <laughs> showed with those cards in that game. Because having watched that again, I could not believe how quickly that yellow card was in Mirelos, was in his hand for the Morelos dive. That shouldn't have been possible if he is running up to that incident and waiting to see what happens. That's not—it's you- not possible. He yeah. clearly
2: hasn't consulted these linesmen. And, and watch it back, folks. Alfie isn't fully on the ground, and he has the yellow card out. He, in my opinion, is running and saying, I'm watching for a dive, which yeah. is the wrong way to, to, to go about it. And, Andy, it was just time after time. If if there was a 50-50 or there was an incident, there would be one decision go one way and another type of decision go the other um, we can joke about it but Kevin Clancy was by far Celtic's most effective operator yesterday
1: the, the benefit of the doubt goes to some players there's no question about it and I'm go- and the example I'll use is one that might surprise you because Stephen Davies tried to take a player out yesterday and the game went on and me and Adam were saying he's going to book him, and he forgot it, or he never done it um, so I'd put it, it down and forget him <laughs> probably and, 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 and that's kind of and the, the heat of that game, then you can understand it, but it's still no a standard that you, we need at the top of the game for refereeing. And the one that Morelos was going through in goal just before he actually got sent off, that's what I'm talking about. The benefit of the doubt went to Celtic there. When, to my mind, it was a freak, it was a, a penalty and a sending off. Why did so, he go down? If I know. Well, exactly. And then in sports scene last night, and I hate to bring sports scene into it, but that's where you see the, the kind of analysis of it. Michael Stewart says, oh, I put his leg in front of him. He's putting his leg in front of him because he's in front of him. So that means he's in front of Julian and Julian has then fouled him. So it's a, it's as blatant a red card and penalty as you'll ever see. But again, very, very quickly, Clancy makes his decision. So the thing that bugged me with Clancy yesterday was he never took a breath for the big decisions. Um, and, and you, you mentioned there about consulting his linesman and all the rest of it he never even thought of that It was it, he's got an issue with Morelos and he's not the only referee that's got an issue with Morelos we've seen it up at P-Potodry before
2: he's
1: definitely got an issue with Morelos and I'm not saying that referees are bent I don't <laughs> think that for a second but they're no good enough and the when we get referees that have a good game It's the exception. I mean, I go away for games most weeks and I'm like, "Ah, that that wasn't even a hard game to referee and they still can't do it. And it goes back to the old thing that I always harp on about and folk are fed up listening to me about it. The standard of refereeing in this country is unique because of what we let go. If we actually get up to speed with the rest of the leagues in the world, then it makes it an easier game to referee because... Tackles are less meaty, they're easier to differentiate, and therefore it's easier for referees to referee.
2: Another couple, just uh, there were so many that actually lost count, apart from the ones that we've mentioned. Stephen Davis was substituted late on and was made to go round the pitch to leave at the nearest available exit, which we were told would not be enforced in high high pressure games when you would need to walk past the opposition supporters and wasn't in force for the other substitutions on the day but but somehow that one was uh we then saw a two-footed tackle from julian which the referee would have had to have given rangers a penalty and shown a red card but he invented a pull by another rangers player and gave a free kick to celtic and it was just decision after decision where you were sitting going this is blatant uh, a dreadful performance and it, rangers have done the right thing in my opinion adam because what they've done is uh, reacted today when we can't be accused of sour grapes when nobody can say oh well you just got beat and they have reissued a call for var to be implemented um in particular the the edward goal would have been ruled out because as we know you're not allowed to use your hand even accidentally in in the build up to a goal and certainly not to score one um I think that the key the, the key issue with VAR will be whether or not clubs will pay for it and that, that's always been the problem in Scotland. But I think as well there is an element of if we can't trust the guy in a park, why can we trust the guy in a van?
3: I was um I was quite pleased about the Davis one, I must admit, because he used the opportunity to go off quite close to that back post and tell Jack to Tell Jack to defend it while he was off. Davis absolutely loved that back post attack Parker yesterday to, to good effect. But yeah, I'm I think coming to right. that. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think you're right. It, it's spot on. This is the time to do it. If you're going to call it out, you call it out when you've won and there's absolutely no sewer grapes. And it's a valid point. We should have had a penalty at Pataudry um, for Morelos. Um, then obviously Hamden, there is a, there's a multitude of things going on in that game. The offside goal, etc. But when you complain right after that, it does get lost in a, in a kind of sewer grapes thing. Um, it gets taken less seriously. I think now is the time to do it. Um would be interested to see who um, who comes out and backs it. If not, I know there's financial issues within the game. I think smaller teams might not want it. Um, I, I don't know whether Celtic will be in favour of it, given the amount that goes in their favour. I don't know. But your, your second point is, is fundamentally spot on as well. I think if the referees can't call it in the stadium and refuse to... Um, come out and apologise, or say they got it wrong, or, or just improve their performance game on game. Then someone sitting watching it on the TV isn't going to, um, isn't really going to do very much. I don't think so. It's, it's a bit of a catch twenty two, but I think uh, I think it does need to come in for the good of the game, and we can at least see. But given how how badly applied or how loosely applied it is in England, I think it could potentially open up much more kinds of worms uh, up here too.
2: I think that's a key point, that it probably wasn't the best weekend for VAR in England. But again, that's not the technology, Alex. That's not using it properly.
0: Yeah, and it's consistent as well. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and, and say that it's it's fun to watch. You know what I mean? Because it's not. It's not. It's not been good that way this weekend. Goals getting chopped off for the sake of millimetres. But at least it's consistent. At least we're not looking at a situation where a goal which could potentially be the difference between well, oh, let's be honest, the league's done in England, right? So it's not such a big deal now. But if you can imagine up here where we've got an actual genuine title chase, um, if this league is won by a couple of points and a game has been won by a goal that was blatantly offside and wasn't called, we're going to hear about it, right? Regardless of what side that falls on. And uh, at least up here, it's consi- at least down in England, it's consistent. It's kind of, They need to tweak the rule a little bit. They need to stop giving off sides for somebody's armpit hair being off-site um, compared to the rest of the, the defender but like you know, once that gets fixed it, it'll be a lot better but at least every single team down there can say well, we've had goals chopped off for that but so have they um, which is not what's happening in this league where you know anything can go week on week let's be brutally honest um, yeah, it, it's needed Rangers are right and Rangers have said this more than once the referees up here need a hand they need help uh, this isn't just a selfish thing and Celtic fans can say what they like but their manager two weeks ago told us blatantly told us if VAR was up here they would be further ahead in the league was his words um, so that sounds like a, a ringing endorsement for it from them, does it not? Uh, we'll, be, we'll be interested to see if they mention it anymore mm-hmm. um, yeah it's uh, it, 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 there's a decent financial argument and I'd like to hear more about that and Scottish football because I do kind of think that there's some grounds where it just would be nigh on impossible to install, or it would be really really difficult. If you look at like the angle we were being shown of the Norwich goal, mm. um, and I don't know if they had a better angle of that, and in, in the you know in the van as they keep saying, but uh, but yeah, you know, see if, if you were having to rely on something like that, which I think you would have to in a lot of Scottish football grounds, that wouldn't be ideal. Um, so I'd like to hear more about that and see just how feasible it is but let's at least have a discussion um, no one here seems to be willing to do that um, and let's help the referees out if they're poor so a lot of them have been fast-tracked a lot of them have been thrown under the bus by the SFA um, just flung into these games and then hung out to dry and never backed by them so you know, if that's what if that's what we're facing then let's give them all the help we can let's have the discussion let's see what it would cost how difficult it would be etc Um But because it's Rangers leading the charge, I am willing to guarantee it will be met with silence.
2: Oh, of course. We're already seeing people uh, using NX's to not bring it in. Anyway, let's talk about some positives because there were a hell of a lot of them yesterday. Andy, I want to talk to you about centre-halves because Mm -hmm. I think that we had our best partnership there yesterday. I don't think that Philip Elanders are anywhere near a bad player and I'm glad we've got him. He's a great option. But for some reason, Goldson and Katic, I think just just meld they just gel properly and in this instance i think that we see a kind of confidence that floods throughout the back four when those two operate together conor Goldstones had a lot of uh criticism this season i thought he was immense yesterday and of course look if we were to pick a player to score the winner if it wasn't going to be Alfie, then I strongly suspect Niko Katic would be high up that list because Rangers fans and Niko Katic has just been a, a love at first sight and it's never really altered.
1: Yep. Even for the start of last season, I thought Goldson and Katic dovetailed brilliantly and when Warrell came in and kind of mixed it up, I often said <laughs> Goldson and Katic were the best uh, combination and then this year you've got a different dynamic because we've actually got four really good centre-halves. I mean, the boy Edmondson, every time I've seen him has looked really, really tidy um, and and he's probably a wee bit aggrieved to have not had more uh, game time and Helander's been fine as well I, I, I've, I've been fairly pleased with him as well and so Katic gives another dimension because he's so aggressive in the opposition's box and that's something that for me and you Davey and the others that have been brought up in Davey McPherson and Richard Goff giving, giving each other a competition to see how many goals he can score each season that is what makes a difference between winning leagues and no winning leagues. And I've said it for a long, long time that when you're playing in games where it's nip and talk or things aren't quite firing, you need to find a solution. We found a solution against Comarle, we found a solution against St Mirren, we found a solution um, at Parkhead because we got a set piece. And it's the ABE kind of marginal gains that make the difference. And Katic is probably placed his cell ahead of Hellander now because of that added dimension to his game. And as for Golson, Golson falls into the same category as Tavernier. Now, I've I've defended Tavernier at all all times, almost blindly, because I thought to myself, here's a guy whose standards are so high, he's like a machine, he's always playing, he's never injured, Um, he makes mistakes now and again, but his contribution is totally um, underestimated now because of this kind of familiarity, every contempt thing. Golson is the same. There's a reason that Gerard has got him doing first in the team sheet every week in the centre half. Um, he, he plays for the back, he's a good defender, he talks, he's a leader, he's a winner, and he's a wee bit unlucky in front of goal, the same as Katic. He should probably do more. But there's a reason he's in there, and there's a reason that is the same as Tavernier for me because if you take him out of the team, I think you'd notice a difference. So, um, I thought they were brilliant yesterday. Edward is a, a very, very good striker. And he gives him a massive problem because what he likes to do is he likes to drop and he likes to take the ball. And when you're a centre-half, it's the worst thing because what you've got to do is you either got to follow him and take the chance you're going to be position or you've got to pass him on. And if you pass him on in the way we were playing yesterday, uh, it was a problem because Kamara and... Um, Jack were the ones that were pushing it to the fullback, so basically you, you would be passing it to Davis. So I thought they handled them brilliantly yesterday. Apart from the goal, which was probably no the centre half spot, it was a midfield. So um I, I think we, we keep going with them, and I think there's been a reason that Gerrard's not really changed his team up for December. I think he's, he's he said, look, this is close enough to the the, the top eleven and the, the the first choice back four. Um, so I I thought they were absolutely immense yesterday, and you need that if you're going to be winning the parkid.
2: Adam, let's talk about an area of the team that I know that you get particular joy out of. I thought Rangers' full-backs, as they have been all season, were immense. And were it not for the little Colombian up-front, Bonobaric would be in contention for our player of the year.
3: I've had one love for so long, it's nice to have a second one. Um, I, think, uh, I think you're sport I think both of them were outstanding yesterday. Baricic just... Uh, just was incredible. The way that he dominates that that flank on his own. Um I thought he was fantastic and having that that delivery um for both goals, which I'm sure we're going to come to, um, was huge. And and again, I obviously have to echo Andy's point. Um, there I thought was terrific again yesterday. Just I think the first the first half an hour I don't think he missed a tackle. There was a couple where you think, oh God, is it Mikey Johnson I think it wasn't the left wing was going to get going to get the better of him and he slides in and takes the ball. I thought certainly in the first half an hour he was absolutely dominant. Um, and he set the tone and on the other side is Barisic um, it dovetails quite nicely it's quite rare I've said this on a few points but it's quite rare for a team to have two so attacking fullbacks. the obvious comparison is, is Liverpool, Liverpool which I we, yeah. we do we do build on on what they're doing essentially but it's quite rare and especially to go to Parkhead and have the confidence in your your centre half to, to play two guys whose primary job is to Hammer up and down that wing, um, and be your width. It's it's quite rare, and I think it speaks volumes about how special, uh, how special the two of them are. I thought both of them were outstanding.
2: Alex, we've been praising the back four and deservedly so, but when it comes to a crucial save or two, um, there really aren't many better than Alan McGregor. We were great and we overcame adversity, but it's a completely different story if that penalty goes in because I think. We all felt, after the way we'd played, hadn't taken the lead, though. They got the penalty. Had they scored, certainly I know it would have been difficult to keep the thought, here we go again, out of my head. But it it wasn't a terrible penalty or anywhere near it. Yeah, good height, as, as the cliche goes. But, I mean, he really thumped it, and it was in the corner. And the leap from McGregor... Go back and watch this if you've only seen it once or twice, folks, and you were too busy celebrating it yesterday the leap and the power in his hands to get it away and allow Niko Katic, who celebrated it like a goal obviously, having conceded it,
0: it was top drawer. An even better save these days in many respects, because if you watch, McGregor's still got a foot on the line, um, which obviously they make a bigger deal of now uh, since the summer. Uh, previous penalty saves, goalkeepers have usually got you know a couple of you know, there are a couple of steps out and narrow the angle a little bit. It was a great save, um, and as you say, a key moment. That's what he's there for. That's what he does. I loved afterwards both Goldson and, and, and Tavernier were right in celebrating with him, and he looked. He, he kind of looked at both of them as if to say, "What well, I did a sort of time."
2: Mm. Um, you know, well, he's apparently, just, uh, according to his goalkeeper coach, he doesn't like being touched. And ah, okay. We all know that that's not strictly true. Depends
0: who's touching them. Depends right? who's doing, doing the touching and where, I suppose, uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, well, no, that you know that would really surprise me. <laughs> uh, looking at the way it can be sometimes. No, he just he had that look after the penalty save of you know I'm not getting beat today, and we see what what it was actually how they got their goal, um, how it actually transpired, what what was the only way they were going to beat him. He didn't have that much to do, you know, a penalty save, obviously. Uh, brilliant, and I'm not trying to play that down. But aside from that, there wasn't wasn't that much for McGregor really um, in terms of making saves. I think he made one from an Edward strike that you'd have been disappointed if he'd not made it. Um, and that was about it, wasn't it? I mean, I can't remember anything else. It certainly wasn't the usual going to Parkhead Rangers goalkeeper performance. Um, no. It didn't need that at all. We could be played so well, but obviously Alan McGregor he insp- inspires that confidence. In front of them anyway, and when you've you get a goalkeeper making penalty saves like that, I just raises the whole team. Um, so that made I made a huge difference and a, a huge moment. And yeah, this won't be the last time we'll be talking about Alan McGregor making key saves. Let's be honest. Moving on to the midfield, then
2: Andy, um, Ryan Jack. Surprisingly, I don't think he had his, his best game and, and way below his usual standard in the first half, although I thought he was very good in the second half. Um, just his passing was off to the point where I wonder if maybe he was carrying a knock or something, because it, it seemed to be more he was doing things he just doesn't normally do. Um, but, as I say, came on to a game, you can always rely on him. And I thought the other two were, were magnificent yesterday. We really need to value Stephen Davis. It's easy sometimes because he's so quiet and just so the way he gets on with it. Someone made a great point uh, in our chat last night where they said, you'll notice that Brown never starts his shite with him because there's no point. You know, Davis is just not going to react. He is such a good professional.
1: He was sublime and it, and it was it's the dirty side of the game that he, he's so good at he's um, and I can't really remember him being like his first time round he was a great player for his first time round but he seems to have added this kind of uh, whether it's because he's dropped back a wee bit but he just picks up scraps just when players think they're getting away from the other midfielders or Jack or Kamara don't don't make it in steps Davis no a big thunderous tackle just nips it off somebody's toe and then we're away again he was absolutely brilliant yesterday and I thought Kamara was unsung hero yesterday because he had a good game was good on the ball but what I thought he'd done exceptionally well yesterday is he completely and utterly nullified uh, the great maybe no great white hope but he completely and utterly nullified fring pong because Frimpong was the massive uh, attacking force that we were told was the uh, next best thing. And they were giving him a lot of the ball because he had a lot of the space because we were allowing it. But then what would happen is Kamara would just step wide. And he wasn't even putting a tackling. He was just covering the ground so well that Frimpong was then having to say to him, well, I'll either attack this guy and take him on or I cut inside. And he actually shot it for me the, the game and he was cutting inside. And Kamara was the reason for that. I thought Kamara was brilliant. And the midfield three over the last... I don't know, maybe six, seven weeks, um, have been exceptionally good because they know their roles so well. Jack would push out wide, Kamara pushes out wide left and Davis just patrols the middle. Um, And they've interchanged at times as well. Um, I I thought they were fantastic. And then you got a wee cameo for Arfield when he came on for the last 10 minutes as well, Mm -hmm. which is is the norm for him now. Although he's not been at his best this season, the last couple of weeks when he's dropped back a wee bit in the midfield, you always know that you can trust Arfield in that position.
2: Adam, the front three, I thought they were fantastic again yesterday, and people had been moaning about Kent and Aribo. honestly, if you've got a problem with either of them, I'm not sure this is a sport for you, because they are absolutely tremendous footballers, and in Kent's case, this is what we all thought, this is what we all said, this guy has got that Albertian ability to turn it on against this mob he hates them he revels in playing against them and I thought he was brilliant as for Aribo he's getting better all the time people need to remember his age and he's settling into this quirky strange wee league of ours but the touch of course is the bit everyone will remember but his movement his inter Lincoln play was was just utterly sublime
3: I can uh, I can't listen to criticism I can to be honest I just think it's uh, I just think it's crazy uh, it's he's just one of those players that is, it's quite clear he's a a luxury that you just need to embrace and when he gets the ball chances are he's going to try and make something happen yes he might something might not come off and he might try one two flick too many but you just need to enjoy players like that I I'm more than happy to give them a pass um in terms of maybe a misplaced pass or trying to come a bit deep to get the ball he just wants to get involved he wasn't quite as explosive in this game um, as he was in maybe the uh, the game last uh, December. Um, I-, I felt like it was a bit more disciplined. He was looking to maybe try and find pockets of space and try and attack where, where Celtic weren't expecting him to. I thought it was a-, a disciplined performance with him and he's obviously very, very dangerous on the break and he's good at, at picking a pass. Aribo, I thought, was quiet um, in the first half an hour or so. Um, he was a little bit... I thought there was a wee bit where I was concerned that he was getting bullied a wee bit too off the ball a little bit too easily. You can kind of understand that. It's maybe not his type of game in terms of the physicality, etc. But certainly as the game grew on, I thought he grew into the role. He was tracking back a bit more effectively. And you're right, that when he takes that ball down out of the sky and and plays the pass, that's huge. It's a a different kind of player in that role than we've seen anybody do really in Scotland. So it's probably um, something quite unique. I'm not sure Celtic were really expecting that kind of Player to be playing up there and cutting in on the left like that as well. I, I thought both of them were brilliant, and you did mention the front three. We we do need to talk about Manolis. I thought once again,
2: yeah, we we do. He was brilliant, but there is undoubtedly a thing in his head about a goal. He he needs an Edward style goal that just hits off him and goes in, and then he'll be flying. But his overall game, he ragged all those two.
3: He did, and I, I put that tweet out, which was kind of half fishing about. Uh, Christopher Ayer, he's the best centre-half to have never had a good game against us in his life. I think he, he's one of these great white hopes. He's, he's very, very overrated, I think, by uh, by Celtic fans and players. I'm not I'm not denying that he's a, he's a very good player, and I'm sure we'll go in and get him a lot of money. But any time I see him up against Morelos, he gets an absolute pasting. Um, he looks like Bambi on ice any time he goes need him. And both of them, Andy, we said of the game, they both just looked absolutely terrified. We could just lump balls up to Morelos all day. To be honest, if that's what we want to do, down those channels, they've not handled that for eighteen months. Um, back to Boyata and Siminovic, um when uh, Rogers was there, they, they can't handle it. He gets the ball and he gets his he gets his bum out, and they just get no idea what to do. And nine times out of ten, um, he gets past them. It's just I, I don't even know whether it's a mental block or if it's just unlucky or frustration. But you're right; he just needs a slaf to go in, and like once once one of those goes, then he'll get a couple. I
2: think once he gets one in a game, he'll get four. Genuinely, I think he'll just go nuts and it'll be an absolute well ragdolling again. But let's talk then about the reaction. Now, we know how this works. We're all long in the tooth, the, this group of, of Bales. I don't think any of us are going to the dancing tonight, shall we put it that way. I might be doing you a disservice, Al, uh, Adam, because you're probably still bloated from yesterday. <laughs> uh,
3: no, I, That's why I won't be going you.
2: Yeah, okay. Um, but We know how this works. If we beat Celtic then there has to be a reason other than that we're better than them at football. It's usually the referee. That's the one they go for. But even they know that they can't really point to Clancy yesterday. So we haven't had a rerun of of what happened to John Beaton last year. We've had instead other meltdowns. Some of which are so unbelievable that it reinforces my belief that there's no point us trying to predict them because they think in a way that we are not capable of thinking. We use reason and logic. It's the way we're brought up. They use imagination and I want this to be true. Therefore, if I say it enough, it will be true. My favorites included um, Honey Monster style idiot John Hartson um, (laughs) suggesting that he didn't like Steven Gerrard's handshake with Neil Lennon at the end because uh, Stevie G gave him a high five kind of thing or slapping the hand rather than uh, shook his hand look beating up John Hartson for being a moron is a, a little bit like shooting Bambi's maw but it never stopped the Hunters so honest to god this guy is genuinely as much use as a used condom that has been thrown away. He is a complete and utter fuckwit, but he's not alone. Um, and with a hat tip to the wonderful Kerrydale Meltdown um, on Twitter, which collects some of the more idiotic Celtic comments on social media, it's at Kerryfail and you really should follow it. Um, let's talk about some of their their best ones from yesterday. Um, first of all, this before the match, class line out. I think you mean line up, mate. Going for The jugular. You love to see it. My three-year-old daughter predicted 4-0. I think she may be right. Later that day from the same account, Cheers Celtic, Daughters in Tears. <laughs> of
0: course she is.
2: <laughs> of course she is. The classic that we get, Cheers Celtic, kicked out the hoose.
0: Yeah. <laughs> always oh, okay.
2: Always good. Um, uh, hearing Andy Walker has been arrested for pleasuring himself in the commentary box after Kent scored. I mean... <laughs> I, like, honestly, that's what I mean. We just can't, we can't figure it. We don't have the, the ability to think so erratically and wildly. Raheem Sterling gets berated for a fun tattoo. Will Ryan Kent get the same thing for making a gun sign to the Celtic fans?
0: No. Oh, that one's uh some reaction to that, isn't it? Well, we're, um, we're
2: just gonna come on to it, but before yeah. we before we do, Dubai, they fuckers should be doing Blackpool Beach doing shuttles, getting taught how to up their work rate. Yeah. <laughs> My four-year-old kid was asking me why that guy was slitting his throat. No. He wasn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, 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 he wasn't. Let's uh, let's not kid ourselves on this one. Um if Rangers play the way Celtic, uh, if Rangers play Celtic the way they did in the Betfred Cup final, they'll get destroyed. That was before the match from Michael Gannon in the Daily Record. Yes. I don't buy Rangers' defence of Morelos' gesture at Celtic Park yesterday. He's not in South America. Well, okay, but he is South American. And then there came, uh, shall we say, Gesture Gate several times. The first one was Fraser Aird, former Rangers player, who was in the away end yesterday. Can I just be the first to say, how do you get a ticket, eh? But But, uh, he was uh, on camera giving Celtic fans the wanker sign and his club Cove rangers announced that his contract was due to expire on January the 1st and he would be leaving early, like a day early. Um, Clearly a a bit of craving thing from the end. Unfortunately, he's come out and apologised. You were just supporting your team. And there was absolutely nothing wrong with what you did, Fraser. So don't in any way, and don't ever apologize to these fucks, but you'd none to apologize for. The main ones, Alex, were, of course, Ryan Kent um, with his kind of shooting fingers celebration. And at the end, Alfie, as he was walking off, gave the the throat slitting gesture, which clearly meant the game's done. But Celtic being Celtic and needing something, anything desperately to cling on to that suggested that it just wasn't because we beat them and, and were better than them, uh, are actually claiming that those gestures are threatening. Now, I would be worried if a guy waved a gun at me, I really would. But as far as I'm aware, nobody's ever been shot by a pair of fingers. And <laughs> I never, when I saw Robbie Keane, Use that celebration, which Robbie Keane did every single time he scored the goal in his career. Think my God, he wants to shoot me. This is no. for Wittery on an epic scale even for them, Alex.
0: I remember, David, my very first live, heart and hand, you turned to me, the first question, and basically asked me to explain Celtic fans. I don't think I've ever got over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so difficult. Um the reaction the, the to the Kent celebration is kind of hilarious, really um, My boy has spent today being quite patronising for a 19-year-old I believe he gave Andy a wee bit of this on Twitter as well um, Talking about how it kind of relates back to Biggie and Tupac and all that sort of stuff You know the sort of stuff that Ryan Kent loves to listen to Essentially um, all that rap nonsense, David You know you know what I mean for The tell uh, us? We are too old for that. Oh yeah, We're too old. Uh, But uh, yeah, uh, you know, I think it was along those lines. I can't imagine he was exactly thinking about it very much. You know, what I mean, I sort of thing he probably does in training um, when he scores an absolute peach and aims at someone. Uh, nobody seemed to really care about it. You know, wasn't if I put it this way, if it was in any way inflammatory, I'm sure Sky would have mentioned it in their commentary. Andy Walker would have been all over it. Uh, But the Celtic fans, so desperate were they to be offended by it. All around, all I could say, what was that? What did that mean? What was he referring to? Because they're so desperate for it to be something offensive. It's that
2: assumption that it must be something offensive because I'm desperate for it to be.
0: Yeah, it must have been. My personal favourite was Dominic Diamond, by the way. Um, asking saying that Kent celebration was quite, uh, quite strange. Bless him, bless him. Yeah, we'll turn to your flying spaghetti monster, Dominic, and we'll call him the strange one. Mm. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah, the reaction to that was ludicrous. The reaction to Morelos is less so because it's expected, if you get my meaning. Um Alfie's no really allowed to kind of breathe in and out without people criticising him for it. So um wee bit more expected in that respect. Um I'm very, very glad that Rangers called that out specifically in the statement. Uh because that was uh that was needed, I think. Rangers needed to kind of go on the offensive with that one. Um, in particular because it's an Morelos and he will be judged differently from everybody else. But yeah, they were just desperate to be offended by it and it was quite, a, quite, quite hilarious. When you consider who their manager is, what <laughs> he has aimed at Rangers fans for years now and we are continually told that's our fault because we're giving them all the abuse and he's allowed to react like that. You consider all of that, and then they go away greeting because we beat them and a couple of players made a couple of sub- seemingly offensive gestures. Um, uh, I think they are well within our rights to go and tell them we fucked themselves, frankly.
2: Well, as Alex said, there's a video um, on social media which has been picked up by uh, ITN Say, showing Alfredo Morelos being racially abused. Um, Celtic supporters in the crowd are clearly heard to be mouthing uh, racist abuse at him and a Celtic spokesman, when contacted by ATN, said, um, we are aware of the gesture he made at Celtic supporters coming off the field. However, we have not received any reports of racist abuse. If we do, we will act on it. Um, well, firstly, the fact that you're commenting on it means you have received a fucking report on it. You complete and utter dick. Oh, and by the way, that is classic victim blaming. Andy, this is a club with no shame. For
1: just such virtue sing on Banks, they really are. I mean, the, the, the there's just nothing they will not latch on to. I mean, Palestine, it would have been apartheid in the 80s, food banks, fucking everything, they just latch on to it. And now it's gun crime and people getting slashed because, Rankin, now I'm a huge rap fan. Obviously. You know. I've got all the cassettes, MP Hammer, Snow mm-hmm. Informer, I've got them all. Many, so I know my many,
2: many a time I've heard you belt up, here comes a hot stepper on a bus. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I say, so, I. Big white trainers, that's your that's <laughs> auntie.
1: So I know He's, all about signals. Uh, and you know what? When I seen that yesterday, I thought, you know, that's yeah, something to do with rap. And <laughs> <laughs> how can you fucking take offence to that? I mean, really, how can you?
2: Because you're really? a Tim and that's what you do. You're just disposed to it. I would say genetically disposed, but when you look into their crowd, genetics is not their strong point. And I think that that just comes out over and over again. And it's, Adam, it's just patently fucking ridiculous. But I think there is a more serious point there with Celtic, as, as Andy says, who set themselves up as a pious moral club. Well, there you go. There's genuine racism coming from your fans, and their first instinct is to blame the victims. Something, incidentally, that has allowed them to get away with something rather shameful for the last 40 years.
3: It's funny as well, you've got the usual suspects in the in the media out as well. One of the one of the Sun reporters, whose name I can't remember, was basically focusing on Morelos' gesture and ignoring anything about racism that uh, is happening to him, which is which sums it all up. I think Tom English has been doing similar as well. I think your spawn, they're so pious, I said to Andy in about five different occasions yesterday, just, they're just so weird You look around and... Oh. and the music that's playing at half time, there was hymns getting played over the tannoys and it, it was just quite a surreal, um, surreal experience um, and when you think you're that pious and that holier-than-thou, you probably just can't comprehend the fact that some of your fans might be assholes um, and it's just a really, really dangerous situation to get yourself in because you just can't reflect on yourself, you can't be true to yourself and say, actually, we ha- might have a problem here that we need to fix and it'll just continue until
1: someone gets seriously hurt ha- uh, or something happens that is beyond the pale. Um, but this comes for the top. I mean, what always sticks my craw is Lowell at the AGM said something along the lines of, I can't make these exact phrase, but it was a case of uh, you, you can sometimes get lumped in with, with other clubs. And, and the insinuation was that they're above kind of criticism mm-hmm. and it's Rangers have got a problem for whatever was the kind of a topic of the day, whether it's sectarianism or, or fan behaviour, I don't know, but they actually portray this myth, it's not even a myth, it's an out-and-out lie, that they don't have a problem with anything whatsoever, whether it's sectarianism, the fan behaviour, whatever, and that is then giving a free pass to the arseholes in their, their club, most notably the, the, the those fantastic boys in the corner that dress up in paramilitary uniform. Because it was just a mass of green jackets yesterday, it was like oh, a army hanging me off sealed <laughs> <And then, laughs> they,
2: they, they cosplay <laughs> they cosplay as the IRA. They don't even cosplay as terrorists who won.
1: So so they, they then see themselves well. Well, chief executives kind of turn a blind eye to this because it's not us, it's not as it's a good problem. They have no self awareness whatsoever, and that's a big problem because um, it just exacerbates when you have things like yesterday. So. My question to Celtic would be you can hear in that video somebody shouting something, something bastard to Marellis a number of times. Tell me what is in front of that word bastard. Is it black? Is it orange? Whatever it is, tell me what it is because I want to see you defend it.
2: It's black. <laughs> it's quite, quite obvious what it is. Uh, and he, as you say, it's not a one-off. It's it's constant. Um, will anything be done about it? No. It'll go quiet and the media will forget it. Whereas, uh, you know, there's a daft 15-year-old boy makes a a a, a piss poor remark to Scott Brown and the fucking government are getting involved and that's that's Scotland 2019 but we're entering a new decade and hopefully things will change for us on and off the park Uh, we've been here for for 10 years ourselves nearly now we started in the summer of 2010 been a few ups and downs uh, (laughs) in this decade but we're about to go into our second and I think it's fair to say we've got our Rangers back thank you to my guest tonight the wonderful Mr Alex Staff Thank you. The splendid Mr Adam Thornton.
3: Cheers, David. Uh, one wee point before I go. Actually, Cammy sat, Cammy sat next to me for the first two uh, Rangers, Rangers Celtic games of the season and we got beat both times. So from now on, is allowed nowhere near me and I'm sitting with Andy for every single game. Thank you. That's just a blatant attempt to get Andy to get your ticket. That's true, yep. I told
2: him uh, that yesterday. I, I, we see through it. But if it works, you know what I'm like um, on Daft Superstition. So go for it. And of course, a tremendous Mr Andy
1: McGowan. Adam, fuck off, you sookie, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We will be back in a couple of weeks once the season gets to or three weeks, I think, once the season kicks off again. Until then, you know where you can uh, keep up to date with all things Rangers. That's heart and hand on Patreon. We're, we're rapidly closing in on 5,000 subscribers over there, so please come and join the party, because it looks as though it's going to be a very big one very soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.